It's Song Talk Radio. Welcome to Song Talk Radio, and it is our 10 year anniversary. Which, which traditionally means that my co host, Phil Emery, now owes me a hunk of tin or a hunk of aluminum. So, what's it going to be, Phil? Ooh. <laughs> well, I think uh, aluminum. I think we have some, uh, some foil all ready for you. Oh, I've been foiled again. <laughs> yeah, it's 10 years. This is 10 years. Those are the materials for, for, um, for 10 years. Okay, and for this special episode, um, we've got a whole cadre of awesome folks with us tonight for a songwriting roundtable discussion. Uh, some of the folks here have been guests on the podcast. Some have contributed to our songwriting challenges. And then, of course, there's Phil. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's first, let's, let's go around the Zoom, shall we? And we'll have um, everybody um, introduce themselves. Uh, let's start with uh, our good friend of the podcast, Angela. Hi, everybody. I'm Angela Saini. Great to be here. And happy anniversary, I have to say. That's a big feat, you guys. So I just want to say happy anniversary. It's not easy to do anything for 10 years, to be honest. Um, so I've been on the show before. Thanks for having me back. I'm a singer-songwriter coming at you from Toronto in uh, Ontario, Canada. Um, I put out some records, you know, I, I tour, I do all the things. I'm an artist and I'm just so happy to be here. So thanks for having me. A friend of the meetup group, the Song Talk meetup group, uh, Nabil. Uh, so my name is Nabil. I perform as the Great Infinite and I'm here in Toronto. And if you guys are, are ever in Toronto and if you go to the open mics, you can find me there. I also run a group called Superstars, which is uh, just a listing of all the open micers and all the locations in Toronto. Yeah, hello everybody. Mark Ippolito uh, calling in from Seattle, Washington. I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Phil and Neil during the pandemic years when we were all doing things virtually. And it's been such a privilege to connect uh, with the community uh, across the country. I'm a singer-songwriter based here in Seattle, and you can look for my music at markipolito.com. And, and both Mark and Nabil have been um, contributors to our songwriting challenges um, from, I think, last year. I think both of you last year, maybe, mm -hmm. the year before. 21 and 22, yeah. Yeah, hi, I'm Sarah Peterson. I'm uh, based in Lanesboro, Minnesota, tiny little town in the southeast corner. Um, I'm a singer-songwriter. Uh, put out my first EP this this year, um, which was exciting and fun. And um, I'm kind of a co-writing nerd. I'm always in a co-write one way or another. And um, I write for other artists, for um, country Americana folk, but also for sync. Well, I'm Phil calling from St. John's, Newfoundland, and um, I'm pressing most of the buttons. <laughs> Pressing my buttons. So, but. Someone's got to press the buttons. <laughs> someone's got to press the buttons. And of course, um, yeah, I'm, I'm Neil Bodie from Toronto um, as well. And um, yeah, and we are the co-hosts of this podcast. And um, yeah, we're all songwriters here. And, uh, and that's what we got lined up today is just a, a simple little roundtable um, discussion. Um, uh, but before um, we start, uh, as usual, our listeners, you can send your comments and questions to at Songtalk Radio on Facebook or Instagram or feedback at songtalk.ca for the email and we'll share your thoughts on the show. And we'd also love to hear from you about <clears throat> how you would answer the questions um, that you're going to be hearing tonight. So let us know. Um, and please visit songtalk.ca to see the show post for this episode <clears throat> to find links to resources we mention 
Um, and that sort of stuff, because tonight I'm sure we're going to be coming up with some tools and resources and stuff um, that we're going to be linking to on the show post. Um, and um, so for this round table, um, each of our songwriters uh, has prepared a songwriting question for the group um, to discuss. And I'm sure we're going to have some interesting answers. So we're going to go sort of in alphabetical order, except Phil's going to be last the gentleman that he is. And um, so first up is uh, Angela Saini. What's your question for the group, Angela? So your, 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 your first uh, uh, question that you provided to us is how do you decide the title for a song? Um, so, you know, for me, it, it often comes down to the song idea and what the idea it, song is trying to say. And to me, when you say you don't know the title, I think it often means you don't know what the song wants to say. You got a bunch of really nice lines that are that are that are trying to say something, but you're not clear in your head. And often that that will le lend me to spend some time digging around around what 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 does the music or the initial verse actually uh, or the my favorite line want to say and and sometimes what will end up just end up happening is i'll pick the favorite line and just move it from like the verse or wherever else it is and just move it to the chorus because that's what i want to say <laughs> and that will also reveal the song title in in the same process um so to me it's about a lot about song idea uh in there yeah no it's a, it's a great question uh angela the for me, it really depends, kind of echoing a little bit of what Nabil just said, but it depends on where the song started. If it started as a melody line, um, you know, that I just started humming in my brain and I can associate that with a particular emotion or place or idea, that might be the germination. Um, but often for me, if it's a lyrical inspiration, right, you know, I've seen a film, I've read a piece of poetry and uh, or I've read a news article, and now I'm really thinking deeply about this topic and I want to express it in song. Usually the title is the thing that starts. So like one that came to me the other day was Castaway. I have this uh, clear vision of uh, uh, a person and a persona uh, that had been cast away, right? And now all these different kind of lyrical ideas started coming into my mind. And so that was really clear. That song's going to be cast away. Um, I wrote a song. It's on my album uh, called New Moon. Uh, the, the song is called Mercy and Love. Well, when I first came up with that melody, which I came up with the melody before I came up with the idea for the lyric, uh, the working title as I was humming it was Codeine and Blood. <laughs> so I was humming around this song in my, in my mind, Codeine and Blood, Codeine and Blood, nonsense words, right? Uh, but then I locked, I, once I felt a really strong attachment to that melody, I then started developing a lyric for it that became mercy and love. Cool. So it, I don't, it's, like I say, to me, it depends on where, where the song germinated. Did it germinate from a musical idea initially or a, a purely lyrical or story idea? I love that. Um, I, I, I resonate with that. Uh, a lot of, um, like, where did it start? A lot of the stuff that, um, that I start with uh, is with, uh, you know, I, I tend to write with other people. I do some of my own writing and I do that daily just to keep it going. But, um, a lot of what I'm doing with my teams is that we're tossing, you know, things at the wall and seeing which one resonates 
which which words resonate, which moods or titles really resonate. And a lot of the times we're starting with a piece of a melody, but then like finding out what what words feel like that melody. Um, so we're tossing word ideas until until it gels, and then somebody in the room's like, "That's it." <laughs> And then building the song. So it's kind of starting front end with what the title is, then figuring it out. But I've done it the other way where you're halfway through the song and you still don't know what the title is. So <laughs> trying to go back and um, and really dig down and feel like like what Nabil said of like, what does this song really have at the heart of it? Yeah. And what is the best piece and what can we make? What would make this song what it wants to be? I think for me, it's... Um... In my world, what I do during the day, I work in marketing, and there's a there's a saying which is there's no marketing expert like the market, which means that no matter what you think, the market is going to tell you what the truth is, and your song is going to be called what other people call it because it doesn't matter what you call it because it's not for you. And my example is this with the incredible uh, Serena Ryder and her amazing Christmas song called calling to say but of course the thing that she called sings the most often is merry christmas baby which is what i thought it was and it took me a while to find out what this song that i fell in love with for the first time was so now when i do instrumental music that's a little bit different and then you're trying to figure out what it brings up and 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 in some ways that's less important because it's 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 not really as as an important thing from a marketing standpoint. But for me, when I'm writing songs, it's like what the song is going to be called. It's like, what's the very obvious line in the chorus? What is the thing that jumps up? Because that's what people are going to call it. And you could call it something else, but guess what? That only means anything to you. To them, they're going to say, it's Merry Christmas, baby. So that's what I do it. <laughs> Whatever the song is going to be called is what it's called, regardless what I want. It's not the woo-hoo song, it's yeah. song two. But people still go, woo-hoo, <laughs> you know? Woo-hoo. <laughs> it's a great, great point, Phil. Yeah, I think, I think for the most part, it is, it, it is very much song dependent. I was, thinking, I was thinking of a song I wrote a few years ago that was kind of a, it was kind of my first attempt at like, an, I, I, was, I was calling it a popera song because it was like a pop song, three-minute pop song, but it was like done in an orchestral operatic style, and I got two singers to sing on it. And there was no repeated lyric, mm. and there was no thing, but there was a story, and, and I just named the song after one of the characters. Like, it wasn't even, it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't come up in the lyric at all, but it just made sense to me. And, and you know, especially in that kind of scenario where you don't really have a chorus that repeats the same lyric. <laughs> But but like you said, but like Nabil was saying, you pulled out what's what's the heart of the song? Who's the main? It was very much a story song. It's like who's the main character of the song? Okay, that's what the song is called. Oh yeah, it really it really depends. But a lot of the time, it is it is you're starting with you're you're starting with a central hook. You're starting with a central idea, and and there's your title. And and if you you can even work around that, it's not, not like Nabil says you kind of discover it later on. As you as you're writing, which can happen too, but a lot of the time, at least for me lately, it's 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 been I'm going to focus on this idea, and and the first thing I come up with is title. I think you guys uh, all brought up some really good points, and I, I think it also also highlights that there's no one way to write a song, right? Like 
some of us, you know, and we all do it like song to song to song is different. Maybe it's melody first. Sometimes I write from a title or other times I'm like, I still don't know what the title is. So I think that just really highlights all of your responses. It really highlights like there is no one way to write songs. So that was really fun. Great. Mr. Mark, what's your question for the group? Thanks, Neil. Yeah, I was curious. I when I started songwriting back in my college days, um, all my songs were co-writes. Uh, and then I got away from that as I got away from the, you know, little little incubator of college where you're surrounded by all these interesting people wanting to do interesting things and started writing on my own um, just to continue the practice. Um, and now, many years later, I'm finding myself entering into co-writes again. And I'd love to just hear from this group uh, any successful formulas or formats, um, examples of successful partnerships that you've built uh, that would be instructive when thinking about going into the co-writing process? I'd love to just hear this group's thoughts about what's been successful for you uh, and any advice that you'd give for songwriters who are considering doing co-writes. Um, that's a great question. You know, um, someone said to me, I think it was, you know, I was at a songwriting panel years ago and someone was talking about co-writing and, you know, there's no such thing as no in a co-write. And that's always mm. stuck with me. And I think that would be my first, um, you know, if I'm talking to a songwriter who's never co-written before, for example, that's a really good starting place to build that um, rapport with someone as well as trust because, when you're writing with someone, it can be a very vulnerable space, right? You know, you're trying to get to the truth or, you know, you want to get the best, you both want the best, or if, you know, sometimes it's three people, four people, but you all want that best song. And the best way to get there, we might have differing opinions and say someone throws out an idea and you're like, I don't like that at all. But there's a way that you can, um, instead of saying no, like that, what I mean by, you know, there's no, there's no such thing as no in the co-writing group. There's a way to say, how about, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, instead of saying that's not going to work or, you know, something negative, the way that you can, you know, spin that is like just say silence is better than no, first of all. And I've, I've had that myself in a writing situation where I was like, I didn't love the line they threw out. But instead of just I just didn't say anything and I just kept thinking and then kind of ran with their idea and, and tried to, you know, make put my two cents into it. So um, I think that's the best my best advice would be, you know, that lack of no in the room. So I think that's a really good starting point. Now, saying that, how do you move forward if someone really loves something and you don't love something? Let's say it's, you're talking about like the, you know, line in the song. Um, you can just say, how about, or um, I don't think we, let's maybe keep that as a filler line, right? You know, because we always have those like, I don't know, everyone has their own terms, but we have a filler line or like a place, place, line that you intend to change um and so we all know okay we might change this but let's just keep it there for now you know there's ways you can kind of go around it without having to say i don't like that you know because that can mm -hmm. really kind of shatter that uh camaraderie you're trying mm -hmm. to build in the room so that's just my two cents on that no, that's great yeah that's really cool and and i love the thought of that uh angela as well as as the the terms like is there a way to beat that? That's that's really a cool idea, but is there a way to beat that? Is there a way to, you know, you know, to grow that into something more than it is? I like I love the thought of trying to beat a line. Like, that's great. Can we beat it? 
you know, like, is it possible? And what could it be? You know, because then it, everybody's on board and like thinking of maybe because yeah. you, you all win together when you're trying to beat it. Um, for me, um, it, when I'm looking at people to co-write with, I, I think it's really um, good, in my opinion, to analyze yourself and know where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And maybe where, mm-hmm. where if you had somebody who filled in this gap that your song would end up better. Like, I love words and melodies, but I lean lyric. And so when I have a strong melody person in the room, our songs are better. You know, I can mm-hmm. second on a melody any day, um, but I love being a second on it. And, and a, you know, and I love <laughs> and um, an idea, you know, you got to figure out what your strengths are and and play mm-hmm. to those and and own them but also then collaborate collab with people you know so be really honest <laughs> like do a self analysis and just don't it's not it's not a bad thing just to um because i think knowing knowing how we can be better helps us pair up with people who make us all better so and i think that's a cool thing about i think that's one of my favorite things about co-writing is to like elevate what you can do by pulling the right people into a room yeah, I I think that's 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 like yeah, fascinating to um in fact I'm gonna segue off of that because I feel it's it's also to me about what somebody steps in the room to give or to take. Um that that's that to me is a really really sometimes somebody steps in there going like in, into a room going like I need to write for me, whereas they're trying to do a co-write and, and being able to feel that, you know. And then being able to go like, okay, if they're trying to write for themselves, maybe I need to be the, the the drawing board here and try to extract from them, right? Hey, what what are your peak experiences or why are you talking about this? Can we go deeper into that? Whereas other times somebody will step in there and they don't want to share their best. They don't want to be there for his, we're writing for me. They're, they're there for you. You know, they're, they're, they're there to ask you the questions and being able to judge uh, both where you are personally and where the other person who's co-writing is. Um, and I think, you know, the setup of the project and who's the leader and, and so on and so forth does make some influence, does influence that to some, make some influence. I'm losing my word, <laughs> words there. Um, I think that that also, to me, is, 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 uh, is important. It, it's it's uh, about reading the room in that sense, you know. Um, well, the main thing that I've learned from, from many years of being in bands, and I think actually having some very uh, productive and successful co-writes, is the thing that you think is really stupid when they say to you, when they give, when they give you their idea, the thing that you think is really stupid will often be so amazing because it's going to be something that you didn't think about and you wouldn't have thought of. And that's kind of the whole point of co-writing. Co-writing with someone who does exactly what you do is is a total waste of time because you're not getting, no one's getting anything from it. So just being open to what people, and you think, well, that's the stupidest idea. You try it anyways. And more often than not, you'll be blown away. And I've, I've been in situations where I was arguing for the drummer's idea. He was arguing for my idea because I said, no, we have to do your idea. That's the best idea that we've ever done. We cannot do it. He's going, no, no, the original one is better. And, you know, because... Because drummers yeah, know best, always. Drummers always know what they're doing, you know. So, anyways, always keep an open mind. And also, um, 
be clear about how you are going to divide things. Like be honest about the, mm. uh, because um, hard feelings come out because everyone will assume that you're doing things in a certain way. And if they're different in a future point, there's going to be conflict and you can get rid of that conflict. If you just talk about that right off the bat. That's great. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really good, really good tips um, that you guys have, you guys have shared there. Um, yeah, like checking your ego at the door. Do, do, do I've, I've always advocated for work with somebody who's got the opposite skill set than you. Like if my if my melodies and lyrics are my weak point, but I can come up with good grooves and chord progressions and interesting, you know, uh, melodic ideas sometimes, then then work with work with someone who's a strong lyricist. That's what I like to do, and someone you know who has a good sense of melody and stuff like that. But the other thing I would throw into the mix is, especially in a band context, because I'm I'm in a band where ostensibly we will we'll, we're all writers um in, in in a sense and sometimes one person in the band will bring a song to the band um and 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 say to the guys like what do you think of this can can we shape it then you you, you know then you can kind of decide like Phil's saying like to, to decide how it's going to be divided up but decide where the where the power structure lies like are you going to give that original songwriter veto power on any decisions that are then made um, you know, do they get the final say? Um, if it's something that we all wrote together from the from the outset, then then is is it is it more of a free for all and everyone's thing is 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 accepted? Um, especially the, 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 the that's where that's really where the the no no uh, comes into play because everyone's throwing around ideas and and you know we want to consider everything and and sort of throw it all together. Um, but the, the the other thing too is is um, examining your own process and saying saying to yourself and to your collaborator this is how i prefer to work are you this type of person that will get in a room with somebody or on a zoom call and just do it spontaneously on the spot or are you the type of person that's better off um taking a draft of someone's song you're sitting with it for a while by yourself um rewriting some stuff coming up with some ideas and then getting back to them and going back and forth in a more in a more you know a bit at a time sort of sort of thing. So and I think I think you know until you start collaborating, you're not going to discover that for yourself which which way you uh, like to work or if you're equally um, skilled in both. And maybe just practicing <clears throat> um, one one way or the other uh, improves your improves your ability to to do that. But um, yeah, it just it just like just like Angela was saying before, like many ways to songwriting is many ways to. To collaborate, but but the biggest thing is check your ego at the door. I think. Great advice. I'm uh, scheduled to do a co-write session uh, this Saturday, so I will go in with uh, all those wonderful thoughts uh, running through my <laughs> mind, and awesome. uh, I'll I'll share with you the outcome, so you can. Yeah, uh, yeah, please, please, just share yourself. Your email and, uh, yeah, I'm yeah, really looking we'll... forward to it. Uh, I've done, I did one yesterday as as well with uh, a writer who's uh, based in. Uh, Originally from Indiana, today is living in Bangkok, so we're doing it all remote and sharing uh, stems uh, over via WhatsApp. So it's been a different kind of a co-writing process. But uh, no, it's great tips, everybody. Thank you. Please, is that when you're doing Mark more more like the second way I was describing, like bits and like you send files back and forth, and you're not doing it. That remotely. that's with a friend who who is you know, living internationally now, living remote. The one I'm doing on Saturday is with somebody right here in Seattle. So we're going to just sit eye to eye in a room and see, see what comes, see what comes from it. And we are coming with a couple of uh, pre-developed ideas that we've already shared. And so we're kind of going into it, knowing what to expect. Um, 
but I've, I've heard different things from different folks about the co-writing process, especially uh, people who've gone through uh, you know, songwriting workshops where there's actually a, a format where write, multiple writers are brought in and they're given guidelines and, and structure uh, to follow. And so I was just curious if anybody has been through those kinds of things as well. Um, and again, mostly what I'm asking though is what's been successful. And I think that's what you all shared is like the things that you've had success with, because that's really ultimately what what I care about. I want to have a successful outcome. So regardless if there's some formula out there, definitely the, the input that you've provided will, will provide guide, guidance for me. And uh, yeah, I'll be happy to share the results uh, with the group. Yeah, I, I, find, I find that that is, like you're, like you're saying, like show up with a germ of an idea, something of an idea. I, I found that that's usually more, that it has a more productive outcome. You actually get to the, the mm -hmm. at least have a draft of a song by yeah. the end of the day, end of the session. Whereas if you're, if you're literally starting with a blank page, there's so many things flying around that it could be anything. And that works, but maybe you're, you're not going to finish something by the end of the day or at least yeah. get to a, into a true draft. So it, it really, it really depends. I've been correct about maybe three to five times a week for about three years now. And I will say one more thing. Don't bring your baby to the co-write. If you've got a song that is deeply personal, like that, oh. that you really, really care about the outcome of, unless you know the people you're writing with well, you know, then you can say, this is mine. I want you to help me. And I get to, I get veto power. Just, just don't bring your baby to the, like if you, if I have something that's super special to me, I keep it until I'm ready to share it. And then sometimes I just write those on my own. Very wise. Good advice. No, no, that, that I, I'm I'm struggling with that right now, to be honest, Sarah. On, mm -hmm. on one of my songs, I'm like, should I should I reach out because it is it is personal to me, or should I reach out to somebody and try and get it? I don't know. Yeah, it, it feels better to um, ask for feedback, but maybe not co-write. You know, like just mm -hmm. some of those are just so personal. All right, let's move on to Sarah's question. Yeah, mine is because I think about it all the time. What do you wish you'd known sooner in your songwriting journey, whether it's craft or business or co-write, you know, uh, admin or whatever, what do you wish you'd known sooner? This kind of ties in, segues a bit from the, the co-writing because this was something else I was uh, would have maybe mentioned as well. I personally, and this is for co-writing specifically, um, I wish I would have known sooner to be really clear of the purpose of what we're doing. So what I mean by that is sometimes uh, when I was, especially when I was younger and you're just like, oh, do you want to write a song? Yeah, and you know, you're all learning and that's great. And you sometimes write great songs and sometimes they don't go anywhere and that's okay too. Um, but being really clear of who are we writing for? Um, because now I actually don't, I, uh, you know, I'll have people who want to, you know, they approach me and, you know, we should write same time, sometime or do you want to write together? and I'm, I'm always, you know, up for it, except I'm very clear on, you know, are we writing for me? Are we writing for you? Are we writing for somebody else? Like, I think that it's so important and colors the song when you know who you're writing it for. And so personally, just like, this is just maybe, you know, everyone will have a different answer, obviously. But for me, I wish I would have thought of this sooner of, when I sit down to write with someone and go, you know, we take the time to put something together or maybe it's sometimes it takes, you know, four or five sessions to finish a song. Like I do a lot of co writing in person. Um, you know, someone's coming to my house and you know, we've invested all this time. And then you end up with this song that nobody really, it's, it's so vague 
Uh, and again, this is coming from an artist, right? I'm very artist centric when I write because I'm an artist and I plan, am I going to cut the song? Is it my next single? Is it, you know, I'm very like focused. I think that's a good use of time. And I wish that I would have done that when I was younger. Um, cause I have a lot of songs that like nobody will ever hear because we kind of just were writing the song to write a song. And I think that the best songs come from somebody's got like a vision or we know who we're writing it for. Um, and yeah, so for me, that's just like my own personal, something I wish I would have started doing sooner was being really, really clear in co-writing situations. Why are we here? And what is the goal? Who's going to sing this song? I think it really helps focus, um, focus the songs. Cause so many songs I've written where I'm like, I would never sing this. This, this doesn't represent me enough. If I knew we were writing for me, I would have maybe, you know, I think it really does. Of course, that's what an artist would say, but. Yeah, I, I, I'd venture to say that for me, the, the word that recently has been uh, at top of my mind is, is about writing feelingly. Um, you know, we often describe or we talk about show versus tell. And uh, <clears throat> that word really talks to me about showing rather than telling. Although there's an element of both in writing feelingly, but taking those feelings that you have and trying to, to not tell somebody about it, but rather place your feelings in front of somebody. Um, and and just, just that nuance in wording um, is a good judge for me when I've written something. Is it something that's written feelingly? You know, is, it, does that pass my muster? That, that, and, and before I never thought about writing that way, I would just write, you know, um, but, but now it's given me a filter to, to, along with also with the, what you just said, uh, Angela is, is also who it's written for, but as a listener, you know, um, when you combine those two things, you can often tell whether the song works or not. And, and if it's going to, um, if people are going to listen to it and, and if people are going to enjoy it, it, it's usually a good give for me that way. About 10 years ago, I had the privilege of going to uh, a bluegrass festival uh, that was being held here in Seattle. And uh, there was a little songwriting workshop happening kind of in the back of the festival that very few people went to. And it was led by a woman by the name of Melody Walker. I don't know if you know Melody. Um, she's based out of Nashville. And at the time, she was uh, leading a band called Front Country, who I highly recommend if you want to check out some great, great writing and great performing. And she articulated something that I intuitively felt, but never really practiced. And she said, she said, and I, and I don't know if she's credited with this, probably maybe there's someone else out there in the songwriting world. Who, but she said two things that you must uh, consider in songwriting is that it's a combination of both flow and craft. And for all of my songwriting life up until that point, I thought it was all flow. I thought it was all spontaneity. I thought it was all that spark. Like you wake up in the morning or you, you know, step out of bed from the middle of a dream and this incredible idea and you just need to scratch it down on a piece of paper and now you've got the song, right? And, and she really disabused me of that notion <laughs> with her talk. 
and said, yes, that's critical. Write down all those ideas. Or of course, with the, with the ubiquitous iPhone, you know, record the melody line or jot a note down to yourself, but then you need to apply craft to it. And um, Neil and, and Phil, I'll, I'll credit you guys as being part of my educational journey as a show, songwriter and really focusing on craft. And I just know for me personally, having spent, especially after hearing Melody talk in the last, you know, nine, 10 years, you know, reading about songwriting, listening to songwriting podcasts, um, you know, going online and watching Pat Patterson, you know, talk ad infinitum, you know, in his Berkeley video podcast about the, the craft of songwriting. To me, that is just so, so, so vital in helping me to uh, become a better songwriter because before that, yeah, occasionally I might hit on something that was interesting or good or, or you know, other people might like. But now I have a, a an approach uh, because I have a, and a craft so I can take those creative inputs, those moments of inspiration, the flow, as, as Melody called it, and now apply craft to it. So that's something I would really, really encourage every songwriter to uh, to invest cycles in the craft of songwriting and marry it with the flow. For me, it's there's two things. One is um, always whistle your your melody, because your melody that'll tell you if you have a good melody. It'll lay bare weak parts very clearly. It's because you're just whistling and there's no other kind of music about it. Um, another thing that I think affected me when I was very young, and that's partially growing up in the you know in the recently post punk um, 80s and 90s is to let the songs and let your art go where it wants to go. You might think of yourself as, you know, I'm a metal guy or I'm a country person or, you know, I'm a, a Morrissey wannabe, whatever you want, whatever you think you are. Um, let whatever comes out, comes out because that is who you are. And you might think, oh, I only do clean sort of jangly music you might wind up being really, really good at doing aggressive um, rock or country, but you wouldn't know that until you try. So don't stand in front of yourself. Give yourself the opportunity to go, I seem to be writing a polka. Maybe I'll write a polka. Maybe, well, you know, don't, don't stop yourself from taking a chance on something you wouldn't normally do because you just never know. You know, I think for me, the thing that I wish I'd known sooner was how how to take criticism criticism and critiques and who to take them from. Um, if you have someone who you trust who's a real a mentor, like if you can find a mentor and they give you feedback and it hurts a little because you thought you did it really well and they're telling you you could do it better. Because it always hurt, it always stinks a little to get to be told your song isn't perfect. Um, things like, thank you. Can you tell me more about what you're hearing that I don't yet hear? Can you t can you ex like go deeper into that? Like, take the feedback and get them to tell you more. Get get them to tell you what really is going on or what they're seeing, and then along the way decide if that matters to you. <laughs> it decide if that feeds into the art you're making or not. But um, you know, if it's if it's just an if it's not just, but if it's another songwriter and they give you really harsh feedback, well, maybe get two or three sources of feedback. 
you know, get get a couple different directions. If everybody's saying the same things, maybe you're maybe they're onto something. And you know, but but how to take that and how to not let it wound you. Like if you're if it's gonna hurt you too much to get the feedback, maybe wait until later with that one. But like find find a way to get that because I feel like that's where you grow. Good mentors giving you good, honest feedback of how you could be a stronger writer really matters. I wish I'd found, um, I wish I'd understood how to take the criticism sooner. And I wish I'd known how to find a good mentor sooner because it would have cut out a lot of the garbage of the early stuff. Um, I think, I think for me, the thing, I think I wish I'd known sooner maybe is that something I, something like Mark was saying, like I kind of knew intuitively, but brought it more to practice in the last few years of my songwriting is that melody is king. And I, I never, I always kind of knew that, okay, fine, but that's what, that's what pop music does. And I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not going there kind of thing. So I often obsessed over other things like the rhythm and the chords and making interesting choices in, in those things. But th the last few years, I've started to put melody first and melody trumps everything else. So if my chord progression is not as original as it used to be, that's okay because the melody carries it through and, and makes it gold, right? And and I think I'm I, I think for sure I'm a better melody writer now than I was, say, five, ten years ago, um, with simpler melodies and more and, and more engaging uh, melodies now. But you know, it, I think that I think that took it, it, it wasn't kind of a switch as suddenly I realized one day that melody is king. It was kind of a gradual thing. It's like, oh, that could be that could have been melodically stronger, but there's lots of other interesting things going on in it. So it's OK. Right. So now it's kind of now it is kind of shifted as 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 in like the last few songs I've written musically quite simple, but melody, you know, rich, rich more rich, rich melodies, which are which are harder to write than you think. <laughs> <laughs> at least for me, you know, but that's something I think if I'd, I'd, if I'd known that years ago, I, I don't know if, if it feels like moving forward, then I would have been further along now than, than I am. That's all. But yeah, it's all, it's, it's always a continuous learning and, and maybe a few years from now I'll be like, who cares about melody? I don't know. <laughs> I have a follow-up question on that. How much of it is about melody and how much about of it is about the phrasing of the sentence for that melody? Like, how do you balance these two, two elements? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's melody and lyric, right? And, and the two have to be tied together strongly. Like, I'm having a thing on my latest songwriting challenge that we, we discussed on the podcast about putting, putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable in your main hook <laughs> and, and our, and our, and our, and our, and our co-host, uh, Susan Catania from, from, uh, from Boston, a, a, a Berkeley school of music, uh, teacher for many years and all sort of stuff was very adamant about, about, you know, it's, 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 you know, putting the syllable on the, on the, on the wrong thing, the emphasis on the wrong way. And people are going to not care about what you're saying. And Phil was the the opposite thing is it's a great hook. Just leave it alone. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> right. So, yeah, some, sometimes there's a sometimes there is a tension there, but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm the kind of songwriter that that I I never cared that much about lyric in my listening. I care about a lot more in my writing. I'm very particular about my words and and using finding the right word, and I'll slave over that. Um, so, but at the same time, I tend to give the trump card to a melody currently. 
But I mean, but 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 I'm also I'm also have been getting better about tweaking it. I, I will I will tweak it if I can to get the, the emphasis on the right syllable, and and keep my melody. I'd find some different word for it and 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 make it still happen. But sometimes it, when it comes down to it, and I have to go one way or the other, I'll I'll give the trump card to melody. I have to, I have to agree. Um, you know, Pat Patterson himself has said, you know, and I, I teach this to my, my students. I also teach songwriting, which I didn't mention in my intro. Um, but one of the things that I, I always go back to something that he said in one of his books, which was what draws your listener in is the melody and what keeps them there is the lyric. So I, I think, uh, I'm totally agreeing with you, Neil, that I think that, you know, the melody trumps everything, but um, to your question, I do think that phrasing is super important. So how do you sing that melody in the, you know, the timing of the music? Um, timing is really important of that melody too. Like you could, like say the melody is, uh, well, let's see something everybody knows, ba -da -ba -ba -ba, right? To so say that's the melody, but if you sing it, that's da, ba -da 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 -da, five notes, but you sang it as ba -da -ba -ba -ba, or Ba -ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Okay, I'm doing a bad example. I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, but the way that you, the rhythm of it is they're tied together. Like the melody is most important. I agree with what Neil is saying. However, the timing of that melody is just as important. It's integral. Um, and I think syllables, you know, they are important, but I, I do think that melody still, still trumps it. You know, if you have the wrong you know, you like, you'd never say it that way. That's true. But if you've got a really catchy hook, like nobody cares. Like, I just think that there's... Well, and, 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 and a lot of people say that, that the music has like three sort of layers, right? There's the harmony, which is the chords. There's um, the rhythm. And then there's the melody. I saw a YouTube a video not too long ago. It might have been one of David Bennett's, who's a great YouTuber, who was arguing that, that melody is everything. Melody has rhythm. It has pitch. It has notes. And, and like you're saying, the phrasing is the rhythm of it. And by the intervals that it uses, it suggests the harmony. And it works with the harmony. So melody contains everything. I would advise whatever you do is to be deliberate with what you're doing. Just don't. It's so easy as songwriters, we just kind of do something and we go, oh, okay, it kind of works. Then you move on. But be deliberate with, with your melody and your phrasing. And it's important to be smooth, but also humans will pay attention to things that are different because that's one of the things that kept us alive on, you know, in the forest is these, you know, the sun coming up and going down every day isn't a big deal. But if something unusually happens in your environment, you want to pay attention to that because otherwise you'll die. So humans will pay attention to things that are a bit different. So in Neil's example, with the shoelaces, it was an unusual phrasing, but that was what made it hooky. It, it grabbed onto your because it was unusual. So whatever you do, just make sure it's deliberate. Okay, uh, Nabil, what's your question for the group? So uh, as as individuals, we're, we're all into songwriting, but often we're into other art forms as well. It could be anything from cooking to screenwriting to trying your hand at stand-up comedy. Uh, there's the stuff we've learned from Pat Patterson, thank you very much, king of uh, songwriting and, and other, other artists like that, uh, which talk specifically about songwriting. But is 
what are ideas and thoughts that you have taken from other art forms that you've brought to your songwriting and that have enriched your songwriting? Um, I'm a professional photographer by trade. Um, and one of the things that in photography you do is you take a color palette. Like if you look at the picture behind me with the young woman with the, the cello, it's got all these browns and reds and things. So in your music and what you're writing, pick a color palette, pick a, pick a space that's, that you're going to live within and go all in on it because it, I mean, or, or go with opposites because you want that kind of a feeling, but, but feel that kind of intentionality with it. Right. And yeah. Like I'm, I'm visual. So I like looking at pictures when I'm writing because it helps me pull details and think about different directions for things. But yeah, pick your color palette. You've got two pictures behind you, Nabil. I can see one is very monochromatic and one is completely different. And I love that. Both of those work. You, know, you could write music to both of those. They'd be very different songs. Pick your palette. Or they're two parts of the same song. And that's the interesting thing, because if you notice, they're all like splotches, square splotches. Mm -hmm. So it can be both, as, as Neil said, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a uh, voracious reader of all kinds of uh, books, novels, poetry, fiction, biography. I'd say probably 90% of my songs are inspired by literature in one way, shape or form. And uh, here in Seattle, actually, we've got and it's actually there's chapters around the country, uh, Bushwick Book Club. If you haven't checked it out, um, check out online Bushwick. Uh, they have chapters all around the country where each month they select a book title and invite six or seven songwriters to perform songs based specifically on the book. So I'm working on one right now, uh, hopefully in 2024 in the spring uh, for Moby Dick. So uh, Melville's one of my favorite authors. And so I say about 90% of my songs are generated from literature that I've been inspired by. That was a tough question, but I think um, you mentioned cooking in your question, which made me think um, that's a good analogy, I think, with, with songwriting. I love the, the palette one, Sarah. That's a really cool way of, because I'm not a very like visual person. I'm just so cerebral. It's like impossible for me. But cooking, I think, is a good one because, you know, if your song is too bland, right, like, like, for example, a melody that just follows the chord progression and nothing really sticks out. It's kind of not, nothing's really catchy about it. I really love catchy songs. Like if, if, you know, anyone wants to listen to my music, you'll hear, I just love, you know, the, the poppier, the better. That's just the music that I really love uh, because it gets your attention. Right. But at the same time, if it's too um, mundane, just like a meal, you know, you got to add some spice. So add some, you know, coriander or throw in some cayenne, you know, make it more spicy because um, you want that variety. So, I mean, I never really thought of it this way because I thought that was a really interesting question because I my brain just didn't really, like, doesn't think that way. But I love the idea of, like, the analogy of cooking because same thing with, like, you think about, uh, and I'm not a good, very good cook, by the way, but I love eating. So that makes me just as, you know, <laughs> I'm just as much of an expert on food than a chef. So um, when you're cooking a meal, for example, you know, you're at a, a low simmer, there's points in the song where you want to have that low simmer. You know, you're starting from, let's say, the beginning of the song. You know, you don't, you don't want to blast everybody with all the information all at once and like, ah, I don't know what to do with this, right? So I think that that's another analogy with cooking where 
you know, when you get to that last chorus, well, yeah, and this could be a production as well, um, which I think is tied to songwriting, at least the way that I write. Um, again, because I'm most of the time I'm writing for some, you know, my next album or like I'm very focused on, you know, as an artist, the song. So I'm thinking of the production too, like when, when are those background vocals going to come in or, you know, when is that? all the pads, like all the keys, all the stuff that's going to be in that last chorus, you know, to really hit it home. Well, that's when, you know, you turn up the, vo the, the, the knob on your stove and you kind of start boiling the, the soup, right. Or whatever. So, um, I, I think you're onto something here. I really, I'm going to think about this further because this whole cooking analogy, I think there might even be a song in there too. But, it needs to be more songs um, <laughs> about cooking and food. Yeah, like just throw, <laughs> you know, throw in that pepper and salt. Just don't be afraid to add a little spice. So I guess that's, that's my, uh, it's just making me hungry just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's my answer. I was a musician before I actually uh, became a designer. So I was, you know, playing and, and writing music. And then later on, um, you know, went to OCA and, and, and got my education that way. My exposure and my training in art actually helped me become a better songwriter because it is just a different way of looking at art. Um, it's, 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 whereas music exists only in time. If a time stop, music doesn't exist. Music only exists because of what you've heard before and what you think is coming next. So it's actually a temporal art form, whereas um, design or graphics or painting is something that is rooted in time. So it's kind of always there. So it really helped me under um, look at art and expression in a different kind of way so I could understand how things work in song. So, you know, whether it's about cooking or painting, uh, learning how to think about creative in a different way will do you well. Yeah, I think I think a lot of what you guys are saying, and especially I think I think you've mentioned this on the podcast explicitly, Phil, about about art um, in general that it's all about contrast, right? And 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 for me that that's very true. And that like my my my, my background is is in design and architecture as well. And it took me a long time through my architecture education to actually arrive at at a at a place where design sensibility became about contrast and and as well design sensibility because Sarah uh, was talking about this as well about focusing on something, right? And 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 photography is the same way. You want to try and isolate your subject and and be able to like what what's what's the actual thing you're taking the photograph of without too many distractions and without getting too much noise in the way, like your signal to noise, you want that to be, you know, in a conceptual sense, signal to noise, you want that to be strong, right? So there's all, all those sorts of things. And, and even and even that applies in, in cooking too. You want contrast of flavors. If you've got too much sour, too much sweet, too much spicy, it's not good. You need a little bit, you know, you need the carbohydrate and the protein, right? You need, you need, you need all the things. It's a, it's a balancing act. So um, for, 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 for sure, I mean, I'm, I'm more of a, <clears throat> you always throw around the term visual learner, but I'm, I'm pretty visual, even when it comes to music. Um, you know, I, I grew up in band where there was a conductor, um, you know, keeping, keeping the time, so the visual cues, and I find I can't play the drums unless I can see the bass player doing his thing. <laughs> you know, as soon as I'm trying to do that outside of that, I can't keep time as well. Um, so, you know, the... Um, but but yeah, this whole idea of focusing on on a particular thing, and and then and you do that every time you write a song too, which goes back to that original question you had about Angela about your title. It's like, well, what's and, and Nabil was saying, like, what's your song really about? 
and what's what's the focus and how can you strip away all the other stuff and and bring this particular aspect this particular angle whatever your angle is on it to to the forefront and to the focus of your expression yeah i'll, I'll share one one tip that i got out of out of um why i asked this question i i um I read Save the Cat, which is a script screenwriting and uh, uh, book, which is uh, uh, a lot of famous movies use use uh, the structure that is available in there for the storytelling, and that really inspired me to actually focus more more about other people's stories than my own story, and and that expanded the range of songs that I could write just because. I was able to start telling stories that were not just mine, you know, um, and I had a frame to to start trying to write it as as prose, but then that evolved into being able to write it as as songs as well, you know. So, you know, we we, we as song on on the podcast sometimes we get people on the on the guests on the show who are poets first, or poets is equally as they are songwriters, right? And and we talk about the differences as well as the similarities because there are differences and and writing a novel is very different than writing a song obviously <laughs> but you know you can get into the particularities of that and how is it different so my question is a little bit different i guess um are you using any ai or artificial intelligence tools to help you write songs and if so, which ones? I can start with this one. Um, more of like on the receiving end of it. So um, like I, I, I didn't really mention this, but I also, um, I teach songwriting at Trevis Institute. It's like a private college here in Toronto. And the first time I saw, uh, so my students, their final assignment is to write and record their own song. It's their final project. And I got a lyric sheet that I knew as soon as I saw it, I was like, this kid went, kid, he's like 20, I call them kids, so my apologies. Um, he went to chat GPT, 100%. I could just, I looked at it and I was like, this was written by a computer. It was terrible. Um, terrible meaning that you could tell it wasn't written by, it hasn't have any, I, I'm not, I don't want to ask everyone else the question, but I have tried chat GPT because when I heard about it, um, I was terrified, first of all, again, as a teacher, um, I was like, I need to know what this is because my students were starting to ask me about it. And when the first time I saw it, um, cause it was so obvious that it was not written by like a human, just, you can tell like the phrasing was wrong. It was all choppy. Like it just wasn't, if any of you have used it, you can, you know what I mean? Um, but on the flip side to answer your question, Neil, I have used it because I wanted to see what it was about. And I, I've done everything from write me a song about blah, 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 to see what would, what would happen. Um, and I actually was writing, um, what's, oh yeah, I was writing a song for, uh, I was pitching for this movie. This was a couple months ago. Um, and I was like, I was looking for analogies, like sort of like visuals, like uh, it was like baking and, and cooking and things was like the, what the movie was about. So I tried Chad GBT and just like to see what some of like what would come up and i didn't actually use any of it but i it gave me great visuals and it's it kick-started some things for me so i'm not like 
the thing is, it's not going away. I mean, just like when Instagram came out, I hated it. And I was like, this will go away in no time, but it, it doesn't. Ch Chat GPT will be here to stay. Um, but I, I first heard of it on the receiving end of, of getting it and seeing like how terrible it is. But it's not that terrible. It can be, I think ChatGPT can be used as a tool if you are looking for, it's like using like a rhyming app. Like I use uh, BeRhymes or Rhymer.com. Um, those are two apps and websites I've used to like get, generate rhymes, like things I'm looking for if I'm looking for something kind of unusual for rhyming. Um, does that make me less of a songwriter? Well, no, because I'm still writing the song. So I, I've never used ChatGPT to write a song for me, but I have used it as a tool looking for like visuals when I was working on a project. So I'm very curious to hear what you guys think though. And, and what you've, it was a good question. Good question. Yeah, I, I haven't used it in my own writing, but I also hear what you're saying, Angela. And I wonder if five years from now, you would be able to say the same thing. If that is yeah. still terrible, because I don't think it will be, I think mm -hmm. it's here, but I think, um, and I think as songwriters with integrity, we're writing in this day and age. And, and it is what it is. Um, but, you know, I use tools like Master Writer with rhymes and synonyms and, and metaphors and different things that you can pull from it. I don't take everything they give me and just dump it into the song. I sprinkle it or like it, it more of the time ignites another thought. And that's where it's useful for me, similar to what you were saying. I was just going to say, I, I uh, similarly, uh, Angela, uh, and I'm not sure if this is exactly what you did, but I was working on some lyrics earlier this week, and I just literally cut and paste my lyrics, and I added the prompt, looking for a song that evokes this idea, emotion, etc., and here's a sample, and I so I put my lyrics in with that prompt. And sure enough, it was very mechanical and it was terrible, but there were a couple of interesting phrases that were different and I took them and that's okay. I mean, because like I say, it's to, to Sarah's point, it, it, it's, it's there. Right. And I didn't, I wrote the song, it's my song, uh, but I used the prompt and used it as a tool. And I think it's very, very powerful and very helpful. I uh, did the same thing um, because in, in my world, you know, um, chat GPT is, is basically on everyone's lips. So I've, I've tried it in a number of different uh, scenarios. And what I, I did the same thing as you did, Mark, just to try to get some, basically to see what it would do. And what it's, it, it, it returned some stuff that was, again, choppy and not great. But it had a couple of ideas there that I wouldn't have normally had, but those ideas sparked something else, which then I worked off of. So in some ways, it's just like someone you can throw ideas off of. Back when I got into design, computers were just coming into the industry, and my design teacher wouldn't let anyone use uh, computers because he thought you could just type in design wine label. And we're saying no, especially back then, because a computer basically did nothing for you. Let me tell you, it was tough. But, you know, back then it was really, really, it was just like a, a mechanical pencil. But he thought it would just do everything for you. But you still need uh, good ideas to make good art, regardless of what you, whether you use a pencil or a word processor or, or a master writer. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of coming from the same angle you guys are doing. It's, it, it, I find it's a tool more than anything else. I did use it for the first time on my latest songwriting challenge. I literally went in there like, write me a song about nostalgia. And, they, and you're right, Angela, it was awful. It, it, wasn't even, it wasn't even that it was clunky. It was just so vanilla that it was like, there's no way I would have written this song. Like, it doesn't sound like me at all, right? And so I, and I, find, I find the trick with it is getting more specific. So I actually gave it the title that I had. I said, write me a song called Shoelaces about nostalgia. And it spun this weird metaphor that I never would have thought of. So that was terrible too. But it did write, it, 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 what, what essentially I did was I took the first verse that I had written because I was, I, I only engaged ChatGPT when I was really stuck on the verses. I had my chorus, it was all good, right? But I was really stuck on my verses. So I went ChatGPT looking for verse material and, and actually took its first verse and just plopped it in almost verbatim. I think I tweaked a word or two, fully knowing that I'm going to rewrite this verse and put my own personal story into it afterwards. But I just want these words so that I can develop a melody, develop a chord progression, get the structure of the song solidified. Then I'll go back and, and rewrite the verses with my own thing. And, but, but you're absolutely right. Like, is it, is, is it just one step further than using a rhyming dictionary? Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> because, because like you guys are saying, you're, you're not going to take everything verbatim. You're going you're gonna to pick and choose. You're going to, the same thing you would do with a rhyming dictionary. You're going to take every single rhyme. You're going to go, oh, that word actually relates to my idea. It actually supports my thesis, right? It, it actually works with my song. It supports the song, or it doesn't. And you're going to find that the majority of it doesn't. But I think that is going to be the case. You're going you're to have a student a few years from now that you're not going to know. <laughs> I wonder, too, um, as kind of a piece of that, at what point it becomes a copyright issue. You know, like you've well, got... Well, that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. Who wrote the song now? I mean, I, I think we're going to see, like, come time, you know, the Grammys in four years from now, people are going to be like, the problem with ChatGPT, which I've already foreseen, and then, I don't know, maybe they'll tweak that at some point but like if you keep putting in the same um like triggers or you know like this the, the commands eventually it's going to give you start shooting up the same thing so someone who's writing a song in wisconsin and someone's writing a song in sweden could kind of write the same song and then well who wrote the song well the computer wrote the song you, you know you know what i mean like where it is the, the copyright thing i i i have no idea how that's going to play out but it's going to become a thing more and more in fact, um, I don't know for the Canadians here, um, we just had the Juno Awards. That's like our, you know, Canadian Grammys for people who are listening, maybe don't know. Um, they just had their, the deadline for submissions for the Juno Awards was recent. And when you submit for those, there's actually like a little thing in there saying some talking about AI. Like I've never seen that before, um, but there's actually like a little disclaimer or something like because people are using AI, you know, left, right, and center to write songs now. So I do think it's going to become a copyright issue for sure. How could it not, right? There, there are a number of sync agencies already that are saying, if you touched your song with AI, we won't take it. Wow. Let's actually expand the scope of AI because, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about it purely from a writing perspective. But if you look at things like Midjourney, which do visuals, yeah. um, they have had similar issues on the drawing and art side, and they're slightly ahead of the songwriting world in terms of they had two years ago, they had somebody enter somebody something in a competition, which was which won the competition, but which was made by Midjourney. So 
there's already precedent on what's happening on that side. But also, let me flip that conversation. As a, as a, as an independent artist, you often don't have the resources to hire somebody to do. Uh, you know, you're doing a single launch and you want a nice poster. AI is great too. You can go to Midjourney, ask it to do a poster for you. You've already got all of your other material done and zap, you've got something that you can use straight away to, you know, if you're doing a concert and, and you want a, a poster for that and, and it'll generate something very, very quickly. So there's also the advantages that it brings in terms of you being able to focus on your art and outsourcing cheaply some of the work which to the AI, which you don't want to focus on and which you find a little harder to do. While also totally paired up with that, while also means that some designer or some musician isn't getting that work. You know, so there's this balancing act in it. It's crazy. Like there's a whole lot, this could be a two hour podcast all by itself, right, Neil? <laughs> exactly. AI is such a- It's, 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 a, it's a great bigger word. But the, 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 other, the, the other tool that I have been using the last um, several months now is an artificial intelligence virtual singer. Because my singing voice has never been that strong. And, and, and it's interesting that when, when, when I shared my songwriting challenge song, which I use the AI singer on, on the podcast, our co-host Susan said, well, well your, 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 your virtual singer named Kevin <laughs> um, put the, put, he was the one who did that weird emphasis on the wrong syllable thing. And I'm like, wait a second. I still wrote the melody. I still wrote the lyric. I was the one who decided to put the emphasis there. It wasn't, the AI is just, is just a tool. He's just a singer. It's, it would be like having a singer in a studio. They're just doing exactly what I'm telling them to do. Um, but um, but the whole the whole copyright thing. We we talked about this on the podcast a, a little while ago. There's a Rick Beato video about um, <clears throat> about them doing machine learning on on famous voices. So someone else took Drake's voice and used Drake's voice on their original song. So it's original song. It's not a Drake song. It's an original song, and then it. It it poses all these kind of weird questions, and then but then, but then the then Drake's Drake's record company went and shut down that that person's YouTube video of that song, implying that they own Drake's voice. It's not they it might, wasn't copyright though. on Drake's song. What's that? They might it, it, the big labels they own your likeness, right? That that's like, that rights. is a real thing. But I mean, I'm not signed to a big label, but I shouldn't I own my likeness? Like, did, but I don't have the power. Like, imagine if someone took your voice, Neil, and just like made a song with it. Like, I mean, I feel yeah. like that's so. And, 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 and there, there, there is an artist out there. She's a singer. She's a singer songwriter. She has a TED talk. And, uh, and she basically, uh, yeah, I forget her name now, but she, she basically put it out there. I've sampled the crap out of my voice. Go ahead and use it. Well, and it's, wow. it's without compensation and without knowledge yeah. that matters. Like, and yeah. then that's where that's where the sticky. No, like somebody going, yeah. signs off on it, and you're okay because you got compensated for what for for your. Th but I, I just can't wrap my head around it. Or they, you know, do I get a royalty every time you use my voice on something? Like, should yeah. Where does that play out? Yeah, that's what we were saying on the podcast. Ah. Like, Drake, Drake should be able to get in on that. Yeah. <laughs> get a little, get a little yeah, kickback on that. Crazy, crazy. not have control over that. Okay. Final question, Phil. All right. So what is the one bit of knowledge or one experience that changed the way you approached writing songs? Failure. Fail a lot. Do it on purpose. 
just this right and right and right and right. Failing a lot made me a much better, I mean, like being not afraid to fail, like trying to write and going for something and and then figuring out (laughs) where you took the left turn. I just think it, there's value in writing a bunch of songs before you know what you're doing, because you kind of find your way through it. Um, And you can look back five, 10 years and go, I'm so much like, I I get it so much better now. And I I like the writer. I am so much better now because I wasn't afraid to just fall down and and like, okay, that's fine. I'm learning. (laughs) It's interesting when you think of the the failures at the time you think they're successes. (laughs) Yeah, and it's okay that they're back when it's like that's a great song. You listen to it ten years later, like what in the world was I thinking? (laughs) Heck, you listen two years later and you're like, hmm, okay, I missed that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, nothing, nothing terribly uh, different than what was already stated. I would just say, yeah, just do it and don't be afraid to fail. I think that's that's great advice, Sarah. And I and I have followed it the same. And I see other songwriters do it. And you, you won't know unless you're out there doing it and trying it. So yeah, just just do it. I think the importance of being honest um and this this comes from like again coming from the artist perspective and when you're writing for yourself by yourself um when i was younger i think i was so afraid of like really telling my truth i think the best songs are ones that are the most bare honest like almost almost like i'm afraid to share this song because it's so honest kind of songs I mean, look at, you know, some of the biggest hit songs were songs that were, you know, written in just this, you know, whatever it might be, tragedy or whatever someone's going through. But um, being really honest, I think that as I, you know, progressed in my career and um, been writing songs for so long, I think that I take more chances now back to the, like, being afraid, not being afraid to fail and not being afraid to, like, be found out. You know, I've written songs where I had no idea how I was feeling until I wrote it down. And then I'm like, oh, okay, that's how I really feel about that, you know? So, but and not being afraid to share that. I think that's something, um, you know, for me, the more honest I get, the more successful I get. And I think that that's, there's, there's a correlation there because it, it's obviously landing with a listener. I mean, obviously there's misses like everybody, but, um, you know, keeping your audience in mind, the audi- an audience is they're starving for truth. They're, they're surrounded by a bunch of like, not that authentic songs, to be honest. You know, they're songs being written by committees and they might be good songs, but they're not necessarily really honest and raw, you know? So that's my two cents. Uh, turning, turning your songwriting into a practice rather than just a spontaneous thing. And I probably spent over two years going through the Pat Patterson book because I'd find one exercise and I'd turn it into a practice, which I do for like 15 minutes every day for a month. And I just keep doing it until I felt I had mastered to some extent what Pat was trying to teach before I'd go to the next piece um, or, or, or read on. And that, that, mindset i started translating to other things as well like even to cooking <laughs> for example like okay take a dish make it uh, for a month practice making it every day and see see how good you get at it and before you move on and you can do that with, it takes 15 minutes 20 minutes a, a day set it just in the morning and you can do this with anything and whatever you do it with after doing it for a month every day you're bound to have learned something about it 
you know so make it a practice i i think the the one bit well i will go back to pat patterson too the the free course on coursera that i did with him well with him he did video lectures he recorded and um i think i think that kind of flipped a switch in me to really start thinking about the whole song because he really introduced this idea of prosody in, 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 to me um, and, and unif unifying everything within the song. So how does the lyric and the music actually support each other and all those sorts of things? Or do you want them to contrast? That's okay too, right? So, but, but you know, like doing, doing everything with intention, not just, you know, the beat, as I would have probably done it before, and then everything else is kind of random. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it, it, really, it really just opened my eyes to like, to like seeing, seeing songwriting as a thing. As, a, as an actual craft that you can use these tools on, and it's not just of, it's not just like as 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 Mark was saying before, just like a, a, a you know a, a, a splash of intuition <clears throat> or inspiration, and then you get it down, and that's it. And and it's something you you can actually chip away at and and work at and pay attention to the details, and and make decisions about the details that that relate to the whole and. You know, and 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 have that kind of have that kind of focus on 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 the on the song. So that just just learning from him about that, I think, is what is what is what made me think have a more balanced approach. Because before I would have been much more musical focused, didn't care about the lyrics as much. Now I'm now now I'm more balanced. I think I want something that's that's lyrically interesting as well as musically interesting. I want the whole thing to to work at least for me. For me, um, I started off playing in bands, basically as soon as I started playing guitar, but uh, we never played uh, anyone else's music because we weren't good enough. We couldn't play our instruments and we didn't know enough about music to be able to actually play anyone else's music, so we just wrote our own. So I started off as someone who just wrote music, which takes you to a certain point. But with the thing that changed my approach to songwriting was when I decided to actually look at cover songs or, or looking at other people's songs. I never played cover material because in the bar scene in Toronto, playing covers was considered to be really, really, that was, that was the outside. That's not what real, that's not what real artists did. They always did all original stuff. Even the, the bar owners would get ticked off if you played covers, it was really weird. So I never played covers um, at all. And it was only after I'd been play, writing songs with a bunch of bands that I decided to go through all the early Beatles stuff. And I really pulled those songs apart. I learned all the chords. I learned the melodies. I learned how the melodies, I, you know, what, what note it started off in the chord, whether it started on the third or the fifth or the seventh, how it moved through the chords, how, you know, I pulled everything apart right from the very, from the bottom to the top. And I learned so much that way. And you can learn so much by actually taking someone else's music and ripping it apart and looking at the baseline, looking at the chords, looking at the structure, looking at where they hit the hard consonants and the soft consonants. Where are their, um, where are the hooks? Where do they uh, do modulation? And you're going to play that song like a thousand times, but you're going to learn so much by learning, by taking a master like the Beatles or Elvis Costello or Dolly Parton pulling it apart and seeing how it's made. And there's a famous um, author who that's how he learned how to, to write um, books is he, he basically took a 
make a Raymond Chandler uh, novel and just basically typed it out. That's how he learned how to write a book. So learn, learn from other people because they've already figured it out. Well said. Yes. Awesome. Definitely. Nice. Okay. Wow. We, we covered a lot there, you guys. I think so. I think so. I think I think there is a band. Um, <laughs> that is all the time we have on Song Talk Radio. Um, special thanks to Angelo, Mark, Nabil, and Sarah. Thank you, Thank you so much for, for joining us. This was amazing. Um, uh, just each of you, um, where can our listeners find more about you and, and your music? Um, Angela? Angela Saini, that's spelled S-A-I-N-I dot com. And Mark? Uh, check me out on Instagram, Mark Ip, M-A-R-K-I, Peter Paul. Uh, and uh, you'll find more about my music there. Cool. And Nabil? Uh, I'm on Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify as uh, great underscore great underscore. And Sarah? Uh, you can find me at sarahpetersonmusic.com or on Instagram. It's probably the best at sarahpetersonmusic. Great stuff. Okay, and uh, we want to hear from you, our listeners, so please send us your comments. Facebook or Instagram to at songtalkradio or send us an email feedback at songtalk.ca. Let us know um, any of the questions that we covered tonight, how you would answer them, and uh, we'll read your answers on, on a future episode. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube channel for live performance videos and full episodes, and subscribe today to the Song Talk Radio podcast on your favorite podcast provider. You'll find links to all the products, books, and web services we mentioned on the show on our resources page on the website. And please join us our next monthly Song Talk meetup. Whether you're in Toronto for in-person meetups or anywhere in the world for online meetups, it's free to join on meetup.com and free to attend the meetup, bring a song, a lyric sheet, and get constructive feedback from other songwriters. Stop by songtalk.ca for the link. Uh, you can follow me at neilmodi.com. You can follow Phil at philemory.ca. And be sure to stop by the website songtalk.ca to browse past shows and find out how you can be a guest. Happy anniversary to us. Thanks for tuning in and keep on writing. Good night. See you in 10 years, everyone. <laughs>